I was working with Macy's out of New York, their corporate headquarters, to try to do Stacy's at Macy's. Oh, cute. But that would be good. Very but, good you know, branding. I like oh, it. Oh, it was so hard getting through to the corporate in New York to do something in downtown Boston. So we really tried, but we kept getting doors closed in our face. Mm. And then we, you know, we sat down and we were like, well, you know what? Maybe we can grow larger, faster if we just focused on doing that one thing, just focused on doing the pita chips. And so we decided to give that a try. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Welcome back. So glad you are joining me today. I've got such a fun show lined up for you. I've got a very inspiring story, one that I had heard about 20 years ago when this founder started her company, and then I heard about the incredible sale. So if you've ever had a Stacy's pita chip, today we have on Stacy Madison, the founder of Stacy's Pita Chips. And what you may not know is that it all started with a career change from social work to her buying a small food cart in Boston to sell pita sandwiches. And that ultimately led to Stacy's Pita Chips, which was acquired by PepsiCo for $250 million. Stacy's going to share how being bold is the motto she lives her life by and how we can use that in our own life as well to create success. And she's also going to tell us about her latest venture, Be Bold Bars, based on this motto. And again, healthy, nutritious eating is at the heart of what she's all about. So it's a great story. I know you're going to learn some amazing takeaways. And again, this is all about realizing what's possible for you. When you have an idea, you allow the possibility to percolate and you get into action and live bold. So here we go. Hi, Stacey. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Michelle, for having me. It's really exciting. Well, I'm so excited to get into your story more. I'm from Boston, as we discussed before the mics went on. And years ago, I heard about your success story. And I'm like, wow, that is such a cool story to go from starting with a sandwich cart to developing a product that was, you know, in every store and then ultimately acquired. So it's such a huge success story. And I'm very excited to talk to you more about it. But I understand that the word bold is one that you live by. And I kind of want to anchor this conversation around the idea of what we can learn from you about being bold, how this has shown up in your life. And, you know, maybe how we can adopt this trait as well to find success on our terms. So take sure. us back. Was it 1996 when you transitioned from social work to buying a, a sandwich cart? Like I just take us into the mindset and what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's part of the bold part. Um, you know, bold has a lot of, you know, a lot of meanings, you know, and, and, it, and it is general. And I think that, um, you know, when you're starting your own business and female entrepreneurs, I mean, it, 
definitely takes a lot of being bold. And um, so back in 1996 um, is when Mark, who was at the time my boyfriend, um, we were living together and he was a psychologist, just finished his internship. And I was a social worker and we decided to take a little bit of a sabbatical because we both always loved the food industry. And we were going, you know, we didn't have the money to start up any kind of restaurant or any kind of big financial uh, commitment. So we bought a food cart and we revamped it. We were on the West Coast for so long and coming back to the East Coast, there really weren't many healthy options. So uh, we started making sandwiches on the food cart wrapped in pita bread. And we would always purchase all of this bread And as an incentive to people for standing in line, we would bake off the bread at the end of the day and give it away for free, you know, bake it into pita chips, give it away for free to people standing in line. It's like a little incentive to wait and kind of had like a happy hour atmosphere in downtown Boston. And, um, you know, word grew and, and, um, you know, the cart started getting a longer and longer line and we had more and more people eating the pita chips as well. So So, that's kind of how it all started. You know, we just didn't want to ever run out of bread because if you're, (laughs) if you're selling sandwiches, you can run out of tomatoes, you can run out of sprouts, you can run out of whatever, but you you run out of bread. You're really close. That's so true. Okay. So you basically baked up the the bread so that you didn't waste it. And did you season it? Do I understand that you seasoned it with like cinnamon or what did you do to make it? Yeah, our first two flavors were actually Parmesan, were cinnamon sugar and Parmesan garlic herb. Everybody thinks Simply Naked was the first flavor, but it was we're not that logical. Right, 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 right. And okay. And so was the popularity of the cart growing, do you think, in part because of the delicious pita chips that they were being given, you know, while they waited in line or do you or just, do you know? Honestly, you know, I think it, you know, it was, we had great sandwiches and great quality. And I think the pop, this was before, I hate to say it, it was before, you know, you know, social media (laughs) and all this was happening. It was really, you know, they, people would go back to their desk for lunch and they would just kind of tell their office and email around. And before you, you know, it like, you know, uh, we were right near all the financial district in the high rise buildings. And before you know it, it kind of grew. And I think that was initially, initially that was based on the sandwiches and the quality and that kind of, oh, everything that either Mark or I ever did having to do with food always kind of starts with that, that quality and just the ingredients that you Mm -hmm. use. And I think it reflects on our lifestyle. Completely. And having worked, I was working downtown very close to cart. You know, I'm trying to remember, were carts popular back then? Yeah, they were really, they were really popular. There was, there was us, there was a a pretzel cart and a um, burrito cart. And it was at the time of, on the corner of Chauncey and Summer Street. And it was, uh, I don't know, that location has changed so many, so many times. Yeah, I was probably a little too far away to have discovered your cart. Um, but I actually, I, I don't know. I find that, you know, I should have probably got out out of the office more. So (laughs) I probably ran across the street, grabbed something fast, or there was a place downstairs in the lobby. Like in the winter, I probably never left 
the yeah. office. But wait, yeah. so tell me, how did you manage in the winter? Because now there's food trucks. Like at some point, food trucks became popular, but this was food cart. This is different. You yeah. are exposed. So how did we you do that? We were exposed. And my sister had a, bit, a catering business in downtown Boston, and we used to prepare all the food there. And we stored the cart near where we would serve. So we'd bring everything in a cooler to the cart and we'd wheel it up the street and we'd lift up the top and we, and we'd set it up and we'd take the time to set it up with like fresh tomatoes and you know, everything we wanted to really look fresh because also at the time there was a very negative connotation about eating off a cart or a food truck or, you know, it used to be, that was really like, you know, the, the bottom tier. Um, and we were sort of fighting that reputation and now you're right. Food trucks have come a long way and, um, they're a great way to start a business and get variety and experience different, you know, ethnic foods. And so it's a very different story now, but we, yes, we had a food cart and, um, part of this was, uh, come the fall when it's, so cold out and mm-hmm. it's starting to snow. You, you, you can only stay outside for so long. So um, over the winter, we would, uh, you know, I, I kind of, Mark kind of worked on this re- recipes and I worked on the packaging and some financing, things like that um, to get the business, to get the pita chip business off the ground. We really had to make a choice, you know, after two years of doing this, now granted, I have my master's, he's got his doctorate and right. we're standing on the street for two years. Right. You know, it's very right. humbling. <laughs> it's very humbling, you know, because yeah. we always were, you know, we want, we wanted to follow our heart and we wanted to do mm-hmm. something that we love to do. And we both loved food and we just couldn't, um, you know, we just didn't have the money to do what we might've necessarily wanted to start right off. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the, ex- the experience. So, you know, we started where we, we could. could. Yeah. This yeah. is such a good story. All right. So then how did the pita chips become the primary business? Well, how did that transition occur? Um, so people ask that all the time and I'll tell you, like you mentioned, it's very hard in the fall yeah. to be outside yeah. And and the winter in New England mm-hmm. to be outside. So um we took a look at two different options at that point. We were either going to go with the pita chips and design a bag and get the nutrition analysis and do everything that's involved in in manufacturing the chips, um, or we were going to get an indoor location for the food cart. Oh, we started with the indoor location because we were downtown. We already had a customer base. We had a following. We thought, you know, from a business perspective, this was a good thing to do. But when we met with real estate agents, they said, you can stand online behind, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, Oban Pan, you know, all these other companies that are looking for a tiny little space in the financial district of downtown Boston and you and your food cart can get online there. Mm. And, um, you know, so we really had, they would kind of laugh at us and we really had a time, (laughs) a hard time finding an indoor location. Um, then I approached Macy's. Oh, Macy's was down there and I was working with Macy's out of New York their corporate headquarters to try to do Stacy's at Macy's. 
Oh, cute. But that would be good. Very but, good you know, branding. I like oh, it. Oh, it was so hard getting through to the corporate in New York to do something in downtown Boston. So we really tried, but we kept getting doors closed in our face. Mm. And um, then we, you know, we sat down and we were like, well, you know what? Maybe we can grow larger, faster if we just focused on doing that one thing, just focused on doing the pita chips. And so we decided to give that a try. Okay. Kind of long-winded, but sorry. No, it wasn't. I think people love hearing the details of a story, you know, because they're with you thinking about the cold New England winters and the need to do what you were exploring. And um, okay, so you decide pita chips, but how do you even know where to start? Because I think a lot of people have ideas for products but they think, oh, I don't know how to manufacture clothes or design a bag for a chip or, you know, create a moisturizer. You know what I mean? Like they don't yeah. know where to start. So especially back then. So in what year are we talking now? Because you started in 96. So this was what, a couple of years later? Yeah, we incorporated in January of 97. Okay. Um, so and we also served, we kind of did both for a year. Yeah. So you didn't have, you know, think of everybody's so connected to information, one Google search away, but not then. So how did you, how did you get started? Yeah, we, well, people, certainly people didn't know the brand and people didn't know what a pita chip was. Yeah. Right. So this, so we had multiple challenges. Yeah. Um, and True. I can kind of explain that in the, in the branding side, Yeah. but from a starting the business side, really it's, it's one hurdle at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we our backgrounds were not in business, and but you know, I mean, we're sp- smart enough. I mean, Mark was certainly smarter than I am as far as <laughs> you know, book smart, and I think I was a little bit street smart. Mm-hmm. And between the two of us, you know, we could problem solve. And I think just having that skill, that skill set where you're like, okay, well, this is the problem. What would I do to solve it? And people say, oh, they were lucky. And at one point it used to really just piss me off because it, it takes a lot more than luck. And it's each and every one of those small decisions that you make on the day to day that get you started. And, you know, you have to um, just start small and and we just took it one hurdle at a time. Certainly when we set out to start the business, we didn't say, okay, well, we're going to have an exit strategy and grow right. grow it this big. And this right. No, we just wanted to make a living day to day doing what we love to do. Oh, I love this. This is so good. This is so good. <laughs> and I can't, you know, I couldn't agree with you more about luck. People really don't get it. You know, this idea of they hear the end results. So they think, oh, how lucky. They don't understand, mm-hmm. you know, it's a decade in the making or five years or all the hurdles. So share that. Cause actually that was one of the questions I want to ask you. You know, people have you become a household name, literally, Stacey's chips. I mean, you became a mm-hmm. household name, but people don't know the story, which is why it's so nice that you're here to here to share that. So did you have, can you share a challenge that you faced, like, you know, really hard challenge that you two had to overcome? Oh, there were so many. Yeah. And people need to <laughs> like hear that so too, right? so many from both. A, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. God, there were so many. So both from a, um, you know, the business side and the personal side. I mean, the business 
side, um, you know, as, as much luck as you have, you also have bad luck. Sure. <laughs> right. You have yeah. bad luck. You know, we had this thing called a microburst and I had no idea what a microburst was, but it's this kind of coming together. You can Google it now. Coming together of some kind of two storm systems where it just is like this powerful, like rain and lightning and, and um, it, whatever it was, it hit the factory. Oh, and literally, it looked like a torpedo oh. hit the factory, and an entire. So now we were in the Sealy mattress factory, um, and. We're, like it's 200,000 square foot facility. And it looked like a torpedo hit the building. The entire cinder block wall oh caved gosh. down into the driveway. There's pallets of pita chips kind of hanging out of the building, the front door to get inside. And I was like standing there like, oh my God. And Did you see it hit? Flood. No, no. Luckily nobody was hurt. Nobody oh, was in the building. Thank goodness. But we just showed up and we were like, oh my God. There's like an entire wall missing out of 20% of the of your factory. <laughs> factory and stuff lying out of there and product destroyed. And um, yeah, yeah. As much luck as you might have, you, you have bad luck as well. And um, <laughs> Stacy, thank God no one was hurt. That's so thank important. God nobody was yeah. hurt. And, um, and yeah. And so then at that point is, you know, the um, put your feet back under you. Yeah. And like, make the decision that well, like you, you put your feet back under you and you realize that, you know, shit happens that you can't control. Yep. Whether it's microbursts or rainstorms or fires or, you know, that there is that there, that, that, that is going to happen. I'm sorry. I thought that wasn't my computer. So, um, and, and that's your inflection point where you have to um, like take the responsibility and lead out of that situation yeah. um, or you just give up. And the faster you can solve that problem, then, you know, the quicker you can move on and, and um, just put another tick in the strength category of your business savvy. Wow. Channel. So- that's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable story. Thank you for sharing that though. So at what point did you and Mark, you got married and had twins. So you're building a business, get married. When did your girls, what part of this journey were they, were you still scaling the company? So we, let's see. So Mark and I were um, friends, um, lovers, business partners, married, divorced, still business partners. <laughs> are business, you still? Like, oh, oh, you mean with We Stacey's are not. Chip? No, we yeah, were yeah. at the time okay, for the yeah. picture. But then we kind of yeah. ended that chapter and we yeah. moved on. Yeah. But, you know, there are, you know, that was certainly, we certainly had our personal challenges all through there. Yeah. Um, and even though we were married, that was not, so the twins are not Mark's. Ah, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know that part of the story. Okay. So wait, so, no. um, okay. They're not marks. So no. when did you, but did you have the babies while you were building the business? Yes. Okay. So got it. The girls were born in 2000. 
three and it was, um, yeah, it was in 2002 that somewhere along the way we got divorced, but, um, and then I went and I had artificial insemination. Oh, you did. I did. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And that's also I another got, bold I move, had a, right? a sperm donor. Yeah. And it's not easy to pick out a, a donor. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, but I really felt like I was, you know, I totally involved in this business. And in a lot of ways, the business was mine and Mark's child. And I decided to have a child on my own and to still focus on the business. Um, I did not expect, I I was planning, I was emotionally and financially ready for one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And then when they did the ultrasound and they're like, oh, there's a heartbeat. And then they're like, oh, there's another one. I was so, I just started bawling my eyes out and I called my sister and she's like, are you happy or are you sad? And I'm like, I don't know. Right. Both. <laughs> oh, that's I don't know. sad, but just a little, it was yeah, more than you expected. I don't know. I just don't know. What am I going to do? You know, like you, when you lived in, in Boston, you know, yeah. I was living in a one bedroom apartment Yeah, and, um, not on the first floor, on like the, the second floor. I didn't have parking with yep. the snow in the winter. I had a 110 pound dog. So it's like, what am I going to do with two car seats, a dog, it's hard groceries, purse, second floor of the building? How yep. am I going to put one up and get one down, go down and like just physically the moving with it all. Yeah. I'm like the logistics, I got to leave somebody alone. And how am I even like, my mind wow, is just so scrambled. Stacey. How am I even going to do this? So, um, yeah, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, cause you said that was 2003 and you sold in 2006. So things were taking off with the Stacy's chips. So you, you know, got them what into stores. How did you start yeah. that part of it? Like, how did you, you, you know, you had your first bag, there's the chips all sealed up called Stacy's yep. chips, obviously after you where, you know, do you have the the first buyer or do you have the product and then try to find the buyer? How did you manage that part of it? We started with the product. Yeah. We had the product. We knew, we felt like we had a great, we did a great, you know, we had kind of this built-in test market in downtown Boston off of the cart. If you think about it, you know, sure. we really tried the product on everybody. We also went to any kind of local shows or exhibits or fairs or you know whatever just to get people to try the product yeah. and you know we wanted to make sure that this wasn't just our customers on the food cart that loved them that other people enjoyed them too so we did test market the product just out of our own kind of gut feeling sure we try to get as many people to try them as possible yeah and um that's when and after that is when we went to, uh, you know, I literally took a bag into what was at the time Bread and Circus in downtown Boston. Yeah. And I walked in and I had a bag of chips and I said, hi, I'm Stacy, and these are my chips. And, <laughs> you know, we'd love for you to give try them a it. try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they did. And they, they tried it and they sent it to their corporate office and they loved it. And they, you know, so 
eventually we got it. So we got into not just one store, but many stores. Wow. Um, we also sold to gourmet food markets. At the time, the chips were like six bucks a bag. <laughs> they were. Yes, well, you yes, got to yes, figure yes. though, these were healthy chips versus yeah. some of the alternatives at the time. And I think that was kind yeah. of around the time people were waking up to wanting more healthy alternatives. So, so I think the timing was probably aligned. Do you think and the, that's true? And the growth of the natural food market. Yes. Wow. And, so they were know, $6 we first, a bag. Wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> when we, as we grew, we were able to get the price down and able sure. to get into more stores. And when we got larger order, orders, we could buy in more volume. And so, um, you know, it's one of the things with bootstrapping as you're growing the business is that those are the kinds of things that you can do. Well, did you, when you say bootstrap, it made me wonder now, did you seek outside investors or did you privately own it? I mean, self-funded. No. Yeah, we we owned it. We you self-funded. Did. You it did. A, um, we got some loans guaranteed by the yeah. SBA. Yeah. And we put, um, uh, you know, we, we had some friends and family money. Our parents helped us out. My brother came on board working for us for, you know, very low wage and said, well, we'll just kind of keep track of whatever hours or whatever. So wow, just, that's exciting. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> take us through, just give us a sense. First year revenue midway to sale, like just take us through that. Cause I think people will be blown away. Um, first year, I think we sold like $20,000. Okay. In chips. Okay. <laughs> Um, by the time we sold the company, we were selling uh, 65 million a year. Unbelievable. So how many years later so, was that? So that was truckloads. So it goes from, you know, like hand bagging and taping and bringing stuff to the post office to, um, you know, like loading 52 foot trucks with forklifts. Wow. <laughs> so it was a big, it was a big jump. Um, and it was nine years. In nine years. Yeah. yeah that's not luck. <laughs> but that's tremendous success. How did it change? I mean, you sold the company to PepsiCo in 2006, right? Was it 2006? 97 to 2006. Yeah. Okay. How did your life change? Because that was a large acquisition, you know, yeah. life-changing. How did you feel? I mean, that's that's a huge transition point in your life. I just, I'm just wondering, like, what was that, that day of sale like for you? Were you just like, oh my goodness, like this is incredible. Like, how did that feel? Yeah. Um, so I took some notes on this because initially I, I wrote this down. I'm like, initially yeah, I, I was confused, yes. lost, lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I was confused, lost, lonely. I felt like I was without purpose, isolated. I had I mean, any mom who has two little kids, toddlers that are running around and they're trying to do, you know, parent at their at home by themselves knows the feeling of, um, I mean, that is a job. Yeah. That is a job in itself. And, it, and yeah. it's really hard. And um, yes, I sold the company, but um when I first had the kids, many people don't realize that I did not have, you know, the same means as I did after selling the company. Yes. And certainly, um, you know, raising kids is a full-time job. Anybody who doesn't recognize that is 
an ass <laughs> I, for lack of a better thing, just, way to say it. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a husband. I, you yeah. know, but I did have help from family and friends who said who like when I needed a break, they were there. Yeah. Um, I had childcare at that point when I needed it. So, but in the beginning I didn't, I was breastfeeding in a closet at the factory. You know, that's wow. just what you do. The kids crawled around the lunchroom and you know, we just kind of always had somebody in there. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that because I think people need to know the realness again, you know, there's this like, wow, you sold for, you know, do, do we, is the number out there? I mean, what it it's is- out there now. So, you know, I, you know, it's the company sold for $250 million. That's it's incredible. Um, certainly, um, you know, we had a lot of people involved, um, you know, after taxes and, sure. and um, you know, splitting it up between everybody and people thought our investment bankers thought we were insane with the amount of money that we gave away. But you know what? It was amazing. Like to be able to, like, it wasn't just a life changing experience for myself and Mark and my brother. It was also a life changing experience for many people that hadn't, hadn't ever bought homes who had never lived debt-free, who hadn't paid off their student loans, who hadn't, so all of this. So, you know, even though people had only worked for us, remember, this is a short window of time. And so a lot of people had only come on board um, as we at more toward the second half of the company. So people were there less than five years and they got, you know, everyone got, every single person, we were almost 300 people there. So we made sure that, you know, regardless of how much time you were there, that everybody got something. Good. You're amazing. So, You're amazing. Yeah. It and wasn't it, just two of us. It was everybody that did it. I mean, we couldn't have done it, done it on our own. Well, that's why you're such a great leader. And I know you're giving a giving back and we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Cause I do want to ask you about the Stacy's rise project I, I, mm-hmm. and hear where you're at today, but let's talk about being bold. And I understand that you're raising your daughters with this mindset as well. What does being bold mean to you? I mean, we just saw examples, but in your words, what does being bold mean, Stacey? Um, it means courage. Um, taking that step. It means being a leader, not a follower. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, when I thought of the word bold, and if I had to put it to letters, um, you know, I used to think of things that my kids did that would give me kind of the power to like move on or whatever. Um, and I would think, you know, bold would be be yourself. Like I'd look at my daughter who would join a team that was mostly boys and would didn't know anybody at a new or my niece at a new school or, you know, and they and they have to face those challenges every day. We forget as adults, you know, if we had to do that, it, it's really hard. So, so be yourself outside of your comfort zone, little by little, do it again. B-O-L-D. That's kind of what it where it started for me it. was yeah. to be able to step outside your comfort zone and um and be yourself and give things a try. Yeah. If there was some woman listening and at some point when this gets up on YouTube, watching and seeing you right now, 
and they have an idea, they have a dream in their heart, but they are lacking confidence or, you know, don't know what, where to start. Just just a piece of advice. What would you say to that woman out there, you know, who's seeing you as an example, who had the twins, did it on your own while building a business and all of this stuff? I mean, what, what would you say to her? So I would say, number one, surround yourself with believers. You know, you have to kind of, the first step is making the decision and often from there, it's just executing. So, yeah. but it's much harder to make that decision. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. And, you know, I'd say to start small, um, you know, cause sometimes when you, you know, when you start small, you have, I mean, if you look back on our first couple of years, you really need to work out the kinks. Yeah. And there were, there were, there was like a lot of messes, <laughs> But you know what? It's a lot easier if a mess happens when you're small than we used to, we used to compare it to our, our um, packaging machine, right? When you package chips, you know, and you get one of these big giant machines, it goes and it spits out these bags of chips, like really quick, you know, like 60 or a hundred a minute or something like that. And, but if that machine goes like haywire and does something wrong or starts cutting them halfway through or cockeyed or throws the weights incorrectly and they're throwing them out this fast. You're like, Oh my God. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a, you know, it's really, uh, it's really bad as compared to, you know, <laughs> Hey, your hand bagging and you mess up a couple, then, you know, you can, so, you know, works. If you start small, you, you have an opportunity to um, work out those kinks. I appreciate that. And what character traits do you think are essential in business, what do you need in order to find success? However, you define that. Bold for sure. Yeah, bold. I would say um, perseverance, drive, drive, drive. <laughs> you know, I would. I you know, um, I was kind of. I was I was taking a spin class the other day, right? And the instructor said something about. Well, because here we are. I mean, you're in the room, the big dark warehouse of a room spread 20 feet apart with a mask on, right? (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) but you're on the bike and you're doing it. And the and the instructor said something about, well, you can be happy and content. You can go home, you can be happy and content, or you can be happy and driven. And you are here now, you're in the here and now. And so then, and that just kind of motivated me anyway, to just fire up a little bit of extra. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to be, be happy and driven, not just happy and content, you know, love it. and and you got to live your own story. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And this is your one shot. I mean, we don't get do over, so you might as well be bold. Um, Okay. Speaking of being bold, you've recently launched be bold bars. So tell us where you're at. Cause I understand you had a juice bar and, uh, and you've now launched these bars. Take us into where you are today, Stacey. Yeah. Um, so yes, I opened the juice bar because after, like I said, I was lost. I was, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I had to figure out, well, what is it? Um, I had to ask myself and every woman should do this to ask yourself, well, what is it happy? And 
how can I apply that? How can I apply that to my next situation? Could you repeat so, that, Stacey? I'm sorry, you froze for one second in the sorry. midst of saying that great <laughs> sentence. So I want to make sure everyone hears it. So what do we want to ask ourselves? Yeah, you want to ask yourself, um, what was it that I learned from that past situation or what were the circumstances that made me happy there? Um, So I look back at the pita chip company and I say, well, you know, I was surrounded by people who had a common, we had a common purpose and, and shared our drive and our ambition. And, you know, um, we all got along and we loved what we were doing. So all of these things and, you know, how can you apply that to, you know, what were the things that made me happy here and how can I get that? there. Again, yeah. And that's, that's really when I started the juice bar. I mean, it goes all the way back to the cart. I mean, we yes. loved making the sandwiches and we love making healthy things and getting people to try new things. And, you know, so that's kind of what the juice bar was. And be bold bars were created at the juice bar oh. and they were very popular. Items. Like Everybody people were selling them <laughs> just like the pita chips. And you know what, just like the pita chips, we got, uh, we, I got to the point where I, in the middle, the pandemic hits yeah. <laughs> and in the middle of the pandemic, I, again, have to make a choice. What am I going to, am I going to keep the juice bar going or am I going to go with be bold bars? Because, and it's, it, it was a very hard decision to wow. close the juice bar oh. and tried and tried and tried all through the pandemic, learned a lot through it, but eventually I, I did have to close the juice bar, mm-hmm. but now we're full steam ahead with the, On the be bold bars. bars. And you developed yeah. those while you were, and were you there like operations every day at the, the juice bar? Yeah. It's funny. Cause I, there was somebody that I hadn't seen in, so, in many, many years that came by the juice bar. And then I found out later that they were there and I'm like, why didn't you ask for me? And they're like, I didn't think you'd actually be there. I'm like, I was probably in back making a salad. Oh, I love <laughs> you know? this. You went yeah, really no, catchy. I love, I loved working there and being there. And like I said, I didn't want to be at, at home by myself in an office, a home office. I wanted to be out there. And those were the things that made me happy. The juice bar was interacting with the customers and the other people who worked there and, Mm. you know, creating great and healthy food. So, yeah. And, you know, I wonder how much your roots as a social worker or that desire to want to connect and empower other people kind of drove the heart of, you know, it's just the heart of who you are. And then you just created your business in a way that still served and helped, but just in a different way. So I think that's really cool. Okay. So be bold bars, just tell us what they are. So people know. And I do feel like the juice bar was an, an, and if you ask anybody in the community, they'll be like, they really miss it. And they are, you know, it was a part of the community and it was our way of, you know, if people decided that they wanted to make a choice to do something healthy or try something new, you know, they would, they had a place to do that. So mm-hmm. we really were providing a service in that sense. Yeah. And now with Be Bold Bars, you know, we're doing the same thing and it's really the same. There's so many similarities to the pita chip company. Yeah. You know, we started with a great tasting product yeah. and, you know, it's got nut butters and nuts and you know, all we do is mix, press and package. That is the entire process. Hmm. And we're using Brazil nuts and we're using, you know, we got a new flavor coming out that's made with macadamia nuts and 
I have a bar actually. This one's a yeah. peanut butter bar. It's like right here. I can and they're refrigerated. You. Is that what I read? Yep. They are yeah, they're refrigerated. Um, you know, just for the integrity of the product, you know, like, like some people refrigerate their nut butter. Some people don't. Um, it's, you know, they're fine outside of the refrigerator for a couple of weeks, but it's too hard to get them into distribution in the stores with only a couple of weeks shelf. Yes. So we do refrigerate them. Oh my goodness. I freeze them because I like them crunchy. (laughs) I love it. I love that you started again. Um, okay. And you're also giving back with the Stacy's rise project. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so, so if you're interested in, in seeing what the project is, if you go to stacysnacks.com, um, that is, that's where you can read more about it. But basically Stacy's rise is done through Stacy's pita chip company. And it's an amazing program that helps female entrepreneurs. And they work with another female company called hello Alice that helps to, um, you know, to, you know, get women the resources that they need. They Stacy's rise also gives grants. They're giving away, they have $10,000 grants all the way up to a hundred thousand dollars, uh, mentorship from people at Pepsi. It's a, it's a great project project and it's not something I I'm involved just on a volunteer basis, just because, um, it's the type of program that I could never have done on my own, Mm. you know? So this is, this is kind of being part of the bigger piece of it without actually, you know, doing the day to day and stuff. Yeah. That's so so However I can help, I totally will. Stacy's pita chips is my, it's in my heart. It's my, you know, my first company and yeah, it'll always be that. I'll always love it. Oh, I love that. Well, (laughs) let me ask you, um, we love learning success habits on this show. I like to ask my guests, do you have any morning or evening routines? I know health is so important to you. You look fantastic. <laughs> you have oh, that great thank you. skin. <laughs> thank you. Where are you doing, Stacey? Um, so I always eat breakfast. Yeah. What does breakfast um, look like for you? What do you what do you have? You a protein person? Do you do I am a protein person. Yeah. You know, I I love like a lot of times I'll eat um some type of healthy bread type product and put on it um egg whites and turkey sausage. And I, I like, you know, I'm I'm I was always a salty person. Yeah. I like the salted pita chips yeah. as compared to people who are like, well, what's your your favorite and your least favorite flavor? And mine my least favorite was the, the sweet one, cinnamon sugar. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the spicy ones. So yeah, I am a protein person. I, I, so I have, um, some good protein for energy for breakfast. And usually with, um, recently I started drinking when I turned 50, I started drinking coffee. So, uh, I have a <laughs> soy latte, um, and my, you know, my protein breakfast. And then, Um, I always, when I wake up, I put on gym clothes Yeah, and even if I don't have a plan to go to the gym or if I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to put fit it in or not, but I find that if I put on the clothes that I'm more likely to scoot out the door, but if I do not get into my gym clothes, the chances that I'm going to go upstairs, change, and then make it out to the gym. Even if I don't make it to the gym, if just going out and you know, I try to hit 12,000 steps a day. You do. Especially during the pandemic. And I've yeah. pretty much hit it 
Even in the winter, because people need to know it is cold there and lots of snow recently. So there is a lot of snow. Yeah. (laughs) And you're out there walking outside in the cold. You just dress for it. Yeah. Yeah. I go and I go through the trails or, you know, Hey, if I have to wear my boots, my boots and jeans, I I have found that the Lululemons that I have do not keep me warm. (laughs) So yeah, I put on, I just put on a heavy coat and mittens and scarf and and just go out there. And sometimes those are the best, the best walks just, it's beautiful with the snow and it is pretty. So yeah, I try to hit my 12,000 steps a day. I always eat breakfast. I always put on my gym clothes. Um, uh, I do, I I make sure to look at, well, to look at my calendar, except I'm not very good at that. So there are times that I'm just like, oh, shoot, I have a meeting. Oh, shoot, I have a phone call. Like, you know, so I try to at least look at my calendar in the morning. Yeah. Um, I also am very diligent about, I try to be diligent. I always don't always do this either, but I plan my food. Um, for the week, I do. for the week, uh, no God for the day, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for the next day, maybe like, you know, like when I shop, I shop with a, what am I, you know, what, what are my goals for the week? And you know, what, what kind of occasion or what do I have coming up that I might, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I pride myself on trying to stay healthy. And part of that is planning out my food, making sure I have enough yogurt, making sure I have bars, <laughs> making yeah. sure when I leave the house, I have a bar with me or an apple or something so that, um, you know, I don't get too crazy hungry and go eat a chocolate chip cookie or something. <laughs> um, I kiss and hug my children every day, mm-hmm. even if they don't want it. Yeah. They're 17 now. Yeah. They're 17 now they're twins. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes over the years, they've just been like, you know, and I'm just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give them a kiss on the head or a hug or a yeah. tackle or yeah. whatever. Love it. So I definitely do that every day. And I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not really a TV watcher. I like to cook. So mm, love it. Uh, well, let me ask you um, just quickly to, you mentioned surround yourself with, you know, like positive people, whatever. Let's talk about community because you've, you've achieved such a high level of success and you're still so young uh, with lots of, you know, you're going to be growing something else again. Talk to us about the importance of, you know, have you had mentors or coaches or who do you surround yourself with and how important do you think that is in terms of you know, because it sounded like, you know, like you yeah. mentioned with the first sale, you were feeling kind of alone, it sounds like. So yeah, ha- tell, talk to us about that. Yeah. I mean, my network is better now. Certainly, you know, I have women like yourself um, that I meet along the way that I could certainly reach out to, you know, and I'm sure if I called you after this podcast that you'd probably hopefully answer one of my oh, questions of or something. I would, I would happily. Um, so, you know, my network's a little bit better now. My, one of my best friends was, um, the owner of a PR company called the, the castle group. Oh, I remember and them from Boston. They used yeah. to advertise where our law Sandy. firm advertised. Yes. Yeah. I remember Sandy. Yeah. Sandy's one of my close friends. Okay. And, you know, she taught me a lot, like when, when she was, when we were working together at the pita chip company, you know, she really dragged my ass out there to every event, to every women's thing, to every networking thing where I was just 
forever, like just in the factory and not getting out there. And she really was the one who um, got me out there and helped me tap into my, my gut and be able to follow some of my natural instincts for marketing as well. So I had a lot of support from her, mm-hmm. from my brother and from my sister and my family. So, you know, like I said, surrounding yourself with believers, um, you know, definitely helps, you know, you have people on board. So, yeah. and I stayed in touch with the industry. So um, even though there was a time that I was out of the industry, I still went to the trade shows. I love that. I still, well, it's you know, good now. Be bold yeah. is ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I want to know, I want to know what's out there. And, you know, just like with um, the pita chip company making, you know, kind of changing the way people snacked, um, you know, be bold bars are really changing the way people look at bars because they really, they taste so good. And I can't tell you, um, I get so frustrated with, Oh, the, the, you are, you know, it says tastes great on the, on the package of some of the bars out there. And you take a bite and can't tell you how many bars I have spit out at trade shows. (laughs) And now I, you know, and now we have this bar that is, you know, first and foremost, it tastes amazing. Oh, oh, it tastes great. Yeah, Yeah. it it tastes great. And so many people who are kind of like, you know, naysayers would just kind of eat it. And they're like, oh my God, this is so good. This is like, I could have this every day. Or, you know, it really did give me energy. It really did fill me up. I mean, there's chia in it and and that kind of does fill you up. You can have it with a, with a large water and you're just kind of ready to go. I love it. I love it. Well, um, this conversation has been fantastic. I'm going to ask you one question to, to wrap. Uh, can you leave the women listening with your three best tips on living a good life? Oh my, I know it is kind um, of a big one, but I'd love to hear yeah. what you have to say. Um, on living a good life. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Put yourself first. You know how you're on an airplane and they say, put your mask on before helping others. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of, and it's not, you know, it's okay to be selfish in that sense because you're going to be better for helping others. So if you're struggling, if, you know, we all have times in our life that are just more difficult than others. and um, you know, whether you're at home alone with kids or whether you're uh, trying to start a business or, or financially, you know, struggling, you try to try to put yourself first um, and you're going to be in a better position to make those decisions and to solve some problems. Um, If you don't like one thing, um, another thing I would say is if you don't, know what to do um sit on it Mm. like I know it's kind of silly my dad used to say if you don't do know what to do do nothing (laughs) and I'm like when in doubt don't don't do anything when in doubt don't you know because sometimes just waiting and giving yourself that time just then you're like, Oh my God, thank God I didn't do that yesterday. Oh. And whether it in, whether it's in business or, you know, I know 
for me, it was the same in, in some relationships too, yeah. where you're like, oh my God, thank God I didn't say that. Or, thank <laughs> God I didn't show up there. Or, oh my God, thank God I didn't send that text message. I didn't want to be drunk texting. You don't drink a bottle of wine at 10 o'clock at night and then like with girlfriends and, and then start texting some guy, right? So um, yeah, just, yeah, I would say, wait, so that's two, right? Yes. All right. No drunk texting. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, and then I'd say, always just ask yourself, what's stopping me? Mm. Do that a lot. Like, you know, just say, okay, well, what is it that's standing in my way? And sometimes it just comes back, it comes down to one small thing. And, and if you just ask yourself that, um, sometimes you're able to move on. You know, you got to find the bottlenecks. Mm, beautiful. Well, tell us where we can learn more about the Be Bold Bars and and the work that you're doing or what's coming next for you, Stacey. Um, well, definitely the website, BeBoldBars.com. Um, my Instagram is at Stacy Bold, or you can follow BeBoldBars. It's at BeBoldBars. So definitely all of the social media will keep you in the loop of things that are happening. Um, we are very, very psyched to be in the upcoming issue of Bon Appetit. I mean, oh. what a better way to say great taste than wow. um, having, you know, they, you know, it's they're featuring women in business, but having your bars, people, you know, talk about the bars in Bon Appetit. I mean, that's just, I really feel like that's an honor. They have a new female editor in chief and she's, she's right on board. She's amazing. So oh. I'm really proud to be recognized by them. Congratulations. I, yeah. I love learning more about your story. Like I said, it's so funny to know that, you know, I heard about it, you know, what was it, 20 years ago? <laughs> right now, you know, like it was like, it was so long ago. And to have this opportunity to actually hear right from you, this incredible journey you've been on and continue to, to follow. So thank you for sharing and, and wanting to have other women follow and this idea of being bold and living full on. Thank you, Stacey. Yeah, no, I'm, it was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. Such easy, you're very easy to talk to, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> thanks. This is such a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.